It's time to check in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living. We take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. The Concierge for Better Living will help informed, intrigued, and interested listeners like you make better choices for yourselves and your loved ones. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Concierge for Better Living with your host, Doc Rob. Hello and good day. This is Doc Rob, your Concierge for Better Living here at CannabisRadio.com and iHeartRadio. It's wonderful to be back with you again. I hope you've been enjoying the previous podcasts and interviews. I know I have. It's been wonderful information being shared, and we have another great guest coming up today. But before we get to that, I just want to make a few comments as usual. Number one, checking out all the different states. Congratulations to Pennsylvania. Congratulations to Illinois. A lot of great movements across the country. Love to see what Mexico is doing as well, opening up their doors and other countries looking at decriminalization. And it's a lot of great movements we see around this plant. It hasn't been easy. We have a long way to go. But I want to take a moment and just acknowledge all the great things happening. I also want to shout out to Kansas as a whole. Wake up. <laughs> Cannabis is going to be here. It's friendly. It's safe. And you shouldn't be stealing kids from people. And that's just a bad thing. And the whole state should be uh, offended that the government's doing so. Not much into that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. It's worth a, a research. Criminal activities, stealing kids away from people who are just trying to feel better. And we're talking about even veterans who were happy to give guns and fight for us, but we're going to steal their kids and if they want to use a plant that they can grow in their backyard. So that being said, I don't want to vent too often. I'm just a little frustrated that, that we can't wake up. But there are a lot of good things happening. And as I said, I went to uh, Boston not too long ago to Harvard to a wonderful conference. I attend a lot of conferences. This one was really impressive. It was on medical genomics and cannabis and therapeutics and how to address individuals. And we had a lot of great speakers. We had doctors. We had experts from various fields. Dr. Mashulam was our keynote. It was, it was quite impressive. And, and one of the speakers that came up is my guest today. And I'm really happy to have him on. Mr. Hugh Hempel, co-founder and CEO of Strains with a Z. And Hugh, thanks for being on the show today. It was great hearing you talk, and I'm, I'm just glad to have you on and share some of the information of what you're about, what you're doing with my guests, with, with our audience. Hi. Thanks for having me, Doc Rob. I know I'm a little intense. It's an exciting day for me. I'm a, I love this whole thing. But I, I was excited to see, you know, I love hearing the true stories. Can you give everyone a little background on how you got into this? I know you're not from the cannabis world, which is something I want to talk about as well, some of your, your pre-existing background, but what, is, what got you into the cannabis space as we have it today? I know it's, a, it's quite personal. My story is very deeply personal. I have identical twins that are now 12 years old named Addie and Cassie, and they have a very rare and fatal genomic disease called essentially children, children's Alzheimer's. And a byproduct of their disease is seizures, severe seizures. So we got into the cannabis industry in order to treat our children. And that's you know, a lot of common stories is that people are opening up to cannabis. They're learning about it. They're willing to do the research because their family, their friends, their children specifically have a condition or illness. And I'm, I'm assuming, obviously, that when you got into cannabis, it seemed to help your girls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The effects were pretty obvious very quickly. And uh, it really helped tamp down their seizures. Their seizures became uh, far less frequent and, most importantly, less severe. 
uh, shorter. And we had such good success that, in fact, we began to uh, remove or titrate them off of the seizure meds, which they had, you know, which they were taking that really made them kind of, well, like I, I like to say, they, they turned the seizure meds turned them into little zombies. I can definitely relate to that. That's I've shared this on my show several times. That's kind of while I was already in the cannabis medical cannabis space in Arizona, uh, my, my mother got ill and had a tumor removed from her head, and then they did some damage with radiation. Um, she started having seizures, and I watched this whole process personally. How they go into this with the goal of stopping the seizure, which is wonderful, but then they don't really have any plans afterwards. So they put my mom up onto four-plus anti-epileptic drugs at the same time at high dose. Great. Her seizure stopped. But she was in that zombie state, like you said. So where was the quality of life? And, and we see that as a big factor of people today. And I'm, and I'm happy to hear that you, you were able to titrate down. It's not an easy process. Those, those pharmas are not easy to get off of once you're on them. No, it's a, it's a daunting process to titrate them down. And it's a little scary and frankly, it was one of the main reasons we got into the industry because if you're a parent, especially if you're producing your own products, even if you're really accomplished at it, if you were to lose a crop or get into a position where you no longer have medicine and you've titrated your kids off the other meds, you're really between a rock and a hard place because now you're going back through the process of retitrating them back onto the pharma meds. So a, a reliable, safe supply of medicine was the end, uh, the end goal of why we got into the industry. I think that's also very important for people to understand that, sure, if you're a recreational user or, you know, even, even if you're medicating without realizing you're medicating for small, like, stress things or anxiety, which is fine, when you have a more severe condition, you know, you have to know that your, 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 your product, your medicine is consistent. And I think that's a big issue in our industry around the country and something that I'm glad to hear, you know, it's, it's more of a, of a necessity for you guys, but how that became more of a, a practice to make sure that there was the consistent medicine available regardless of season, weather, <laughs> factors, and so forth. But, yeah, well, and consistency, actually, I, I use the word twice in the same sentence because it's not just, it's consistently available, which is first and foremost, but also consistently produced. And therein lies, I think, the challenge. Those two things coming together at the same time over, you know, an extended period of time is not as easy as it sounds. No, I'm, I, I know that. I'm, I'm glad you're sharing that because people think it's so casual. Just I'll just grow a plant, or I mean, it, there is a major science part to this, and that's kind of what we were discussing a lot in at Harvard, you know, of all places, with the, all these other doctors and all these other industry influencers. Was saying, you know, we've got to not only make sure our medicine is is consistent in quality and of a medicinal quality, not just you know available, but also we now can look at the individuals a little bit more detailed and more specific, whether it be genetically or dietary or lifestyle or other factors, and, and try to fine-tune these cannabis therapeutic medications to the individual, which is a really key part as well. Not all yeah, it's a, it's, right? there's, a, there's, a, there's a mountain of evidence that, that it's genetics that will dictate in many ways whether cannabis is effective, probably for most conditions, but certainly in the seizure space we have science already indicating that, you know, your genetic profile will determine how well you respond to uh, CBD, for example, for control of seizures. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, I went to an autism one conference a couple of years ago when we were introducing more CBD, and I've been in the autism community working with gut health and probiotics and flora for probably close to a decade now. And so it was interesting hearing the feedback from the parents, and you can definitely relate. It's the people that are there every day hands-on, working with their children, give you the best feedback. And I got a pretty good, you know, 8 out of 10 children responded favorably to a degree with CBD. 1 or 2 out of 10 may have gotten more excitatory or anxious or maybe worsened, and they didn't understand why that occurred. And so now from a first stage, that's great that people are actually willing to try it safe. It's not causing any real harm, but we do want to know, and the science should be is there, and we're starting to see that clinically. That maybe not all kids with this, with seizures or autism have the same genetic, you know, issues. Where one we heard in in Harvard that one might require a B vitamin supplementation more so than CBD, and that would and that would be a big you know difference factor versus just CBD alone. So I think that's a, these are really good factors that people need to understand. I mean that that genetics don't play a role. I've always a macro guy personally looking at other more dietary and other lifestyle and stress-related factors, but it's very important as well, especially with these significant conditions, to under, look at the genetics and, and see if there's a an obvious signal that says, hey, if we can address this one issue with this one child or one person, we can have dramatic improvements. And at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Yeah, agreed. And I, I would say that I think that genetics also interact with uh, the the entourage effect concept, and it's likely that uh, you know the ratio that's effective for one kid or adult is perhaps different for another person, largely based on their genetics, which include you know their endocannabinoid system, their receptors, as well as you know just their bioavailability system. You know how well they absorb the product and and utilize it. You know pharmacokinetically. Yeah, and that's really important even for adults or people who are actually well. I think that's a misconception that, you know, I think we all, and I'm being this in, since the very early stages of, of promoting CBD, maybe we're all a little naive initially thinking how benign it was just safe without any other concerns or warnings. And now as, thankfully, science has been evolving and researching and the conversation is opening up more and more so, we're saying, hey, look, you know, CBD is very beneficial for a large majority of people. There's a lot of different conversations regarding dosages and, and how much you actually need versus how much people are trying to sell you as a dose, but also that it has an impact directly on your liver and your P450 enzyme pathways. So you have to know if you're taking any other medications or how your body's responding to this, even if it's a safe for the most part, plant-based approach, there's still physiological actions. I think these are all really important, and I'm happy to have you sharing a lot of this stuff. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get a little more into it with Hugh Hempel, my guest today, and talk a little bit more about what Strains is all about, the company, and a little bit more of your background, because I think it's fascinating. So hang with us. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Doc Rob, your concierge for better living, here on CannabisRadio.com and iHeartRadio. The Concierge for Better Living will continue in a moment. Northwest Alternative Health, Eugene's premier medical marijuana clinic, is proud to sponsor the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Are you prepared for the changes in the recreational and medical marijuana markets? The OMB presents the state's top industry experts, along with over 40 exhibitors, and features a keynote by Dr. Carl Hart. 
Also, tickets include a celebrity interview and private after-party with the one and only Tommy Chong. Join us Sunday, April 24th at the downtown Eugene Hilton and be a part of Oregon's fastest-growing industry. Check out OregonMBC.com for more details. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Mentions the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on cannabisradio.com. Don't try to debate me on something. Motherfucker, I can't do many things well. But words are my shit. The Stoner Jesus Show. Live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living. Only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back. Great first section. Awesome guest today, Hugh Hempel from Strains, talking about you know cannabis, talking about epilepsy, genetics, personalizing this care, and having consistent quality medication. So great to have this conversation. Um, Hugh, you don't come from the cannabis world, as we mentioned. It was kind of thrust upon you due to your, your daughter's condition. But can we? Can you mind sharing a little bit of your background? Because I love the the understanding of both marketing, but also attention to detail that's required in this new emerging industry. That I think you bring an interesting perspective. If you don't mind sharing a little bit of what you were doing before you got into cannabis. Sure, I'm a I'm a technology guy by profession. I started at IBM in in New York, and ultimately ended up at Apple, and then Netscape in Silicon Valley. So uh, before we had children did technology in several positions in both product development as well as sales and marketing. I'm going to say, I've been finding a lot of people getting into this space now, more of the professionals, are coming from that kind of software or data-driven background because they understand that analytics and data are the only way this industry is going to grow the proper way. And so I just think that's really cool that you come from that understanding. Yeah, in fact, I'm involved right now in a, in a and we're just starting a project to build a system to allow for patients to report, you know, the outcome of the use of cannabis more freely, including under IRB informed consent conditions. So the idea is to begin to take this anecdotal data that's flying around and try and capture it in a in a scientifically rigorous way. So I'm I'm trying to use some of my history in the industry and, and apply it to this space. I'd also mentioned that when my kids got sick, my wife and I embarked on the process of developing a, a, a pharma drug for them, uh, and they're receiving that drug. In fact, today is an infusion day here at our house. And so I also learned the scientific rigor required to make medicine, to literally formulate medicine uh, in a pharmaceutical grade, and the rigor required to convince the NIH and the FDA that that product is, you know, potentially viable, at least, and worthy of clinical research. 
Yeah, I remember you sharing that at the conference in, in, at Harvard, and I, I found that completely amazing and fascinating. That I mean, that's what shows you the dedication of parents. I mean, it's, that to me is one of the most daunting tasks you can imagine is dealing with FDA and pharma and trying to process and create new drug and, and get all the approvals and safety. I mean, that, that to me just – I think most people listening are just going, holy cow, that's just a, a mountain no one really wants to climb if they don't have to. And I know that you guys kind of – stepped up and did an amazing job. And, and I know the results of your effort have made pretty good benefit to your daughters. I think that's one of the most important things. It wasn't for not. It was you, you guys saw the actual improvements from that effort, which is awesome. Yeah, we definitely saw the improvements from the effort. And I think they're, I'd like to think that they're actually alive and in fairly good condition today as a result. But what's also really rewarding is that that same protocol, which we essentially published open source on the internet and provided folks with a path that didn't otherwise have one around the world. And so I think there's probably in the neighborhood of 50 to 100 children around the world being treated under compassionate use approval from their, you know, from their local regulatory bodies with this medicine, which is, you know, being made available uh, in the United States. Uh, uh, the Johnson and Johnson's actually making this available to doctors at no charge, the medicine to give to kids under that condition. That's amazing work you know and again the fact that you've been able to not only help and improve the lives of your daughters but the, the impact you've had on so many other families and children just by doing good service and trying to find solutions to, to serious problems so again i pledge on that it's one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on because i think it's just people don't really think about it all the time you know one thing i always deal with as a, as a concierge doc and a lifestyle kind of support advocate is is you know looking out for the caregivers too you know i think that's one thing that's often overlooked and i see this a lot you know i'm happy to announce that the canamom's got you know their 501c3 status to help children you know using cannabis they you know those moms are out there fighting you good parents I and mean, this is what's been making this this issue brought to light and yet i, I always want to remind and i'm sure you guys have you know you have your wife you guys are you know that support team but you always take care of the caregivers as well because you know we we, we don't always realize how much it stresses us out as we, you know, I dealt with, you know, my, my father and I have been taking care of my mom the last few years, which I'm not complaining about by any means. They also writ her off, you know, by conventional medicine and told my dad, take her home. She's got two months to live. And that was over two years ago. So you, you, you got to kind of step up and say, okay, you know, things may not be perfect, but we are grateful for each day and, and the impact we're having not only on ourselves and our family, but on so many others. So I think that's wonderful. And I appreciate you sharing today about that. Yeah, it's, it's significant what we can do here, and that's one of the issues. I wonder where you stand on, do you feel that cannabis should be completely decriminalized, or do you feel like a schedule re, a rescheduling is, is, is a best next step? I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I, think, I think this is, the, this is the, obviously the timely topic of today. Uh, with the DEA publicly announcing they're considering the rescheduling question with recent approvals for PTSD studies, uh, the real question is, what's where, where does can, obviously it doesn't belong on Schedule One, and I'm fully in support of of you know ending the prohibition on the plant entirely. I have been quite publicly concerned about the idea of you know what I call sort of the potential trap of a Schedule Two move, uh, because on a Schedule Two condition you don't really you don't really solve a number of problems. First and foremost, you don't solve the 280e taxation problem, which is really burdening the industry unfairly. But more importantly, frankly, what you may do is you may 
move the for- focus of attention from the DEA on an enforcement basis to the FDA. And should the FDA start treating cannabis, you know, essentially as a pharmaceutical instead of as a food supplement, for example, it really could put a, an industry stopping burden and effectively re-prohibit the use of the plant for all intents and purposes. Yeah, and that's one of my concerns too. While on the doctor side of me says we need to do more research and scheduling, rescheduling the two would open up the universities and hospitals and doing more research. But then who's going to be dictating the rest of the game plan for this plant and for this medicine? And I think that scares me as a naturopath, but it should scare me as someone that I just want to be able to grow a few plants in my backyard, keep it in a vegetative state and juice it and not have a psychoactive benefit, but still get all the healing benefits of this plant, just like I get from my kale and my greens and my spinach and so forth. So, I mean, I, I think that's, you know, again, really important what you're saying. It, it's a... There's a trick in there in some way, and, and you know, I think even Schedule 3 would be a little bit better as a starting point, but you know, I, I'm all about freeing the plant completely and still allowing funding for research and, and, and more studies. So, I think we're in agreement on, on it. I, I would just say that I, I think it almost needs its own schedule. I mean, let's face it, I, I wouldn't necessarily suggest that it's completely without any – I mean, I, I support actual well-thought-out a regulatory framework for the plant. No question. It has to be there. That said, I don't think it fits neatly into our current structures. So I don't think it should be, you know, sort of regulated like alcohol, frankly, because I just don't think that's tight enough for this plant. At the same time, it certainly shouldn't be regulated as a as a narcotic. Yeah, I mean, again, there's no, like in most things, even when someone's sick, there's no one, one shoe fits all, one size fits all, one clear black and white answer, we have to have open conversations. And yet, as you know, there's always some financial interests that distract and or, 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 you know, push us the wrong direction. So we have to stay vigilant to that. And so we're going to take a quick break again. We're going to come back and want to wrap up with some more information on your company and how what great things they're doing and working on. And a couple last fi- final thoughts. So don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with Hugh Hempel here on Doc Rob, your concierge for better living on CannabisRadio.com and iHeartRadio. The concierge for better living will continue in a moment. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. I'm Radical Russ Belville, inviting you to join me every weekday on CannabisRadio.com for the Russ Belville Show. It's the NPR of POT. 
We bring you the latest marijuana headlines, cannabis analysis, drug war data, activist interviews, radical rants, and your live calls. Join me every weekday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, live only on CannabisRadio.com. Let's check back in with Doc Robb and the concierge for better living only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, and here we go on the home stretch, the last section on today's great interview with Hugh Hempel, CEO and co-founder of Strains with a Z. We're having a wonderful conversation. I love, again, you come from such a cool background of tech, and we have other stuff to talk off offline about that, some innovation in both cannabis as well. But, you know, I think it's interesting to know, like, there's a lot of companies out there, and I, and I, and I as a natural products background, look at a lot of these different brands and products and companies, and I can almost tell which companies will be around in a couple of years based on how they're set up from the ground up. And I think, obviously, I expect strains to be around for quite a while. What are some of the things that you feel are differentiate strains from some of the other companies out there in the marketplace? Well, I think that we're trying to do similar things to other folks. Ultimately, I think the market is significant enough where there's room for for many of us with with similar ideas. I think what makes us a little bit different is that we are coming from the standpoint of believing that the economies of scale required to do good science and to, you know, evolve products with as quickly as possible to the needs of the market, you need to be in multiple jurisdictions. So we're starting out straight away launching our products simultaneously in three legal jurisdictions, Washington, Colorado, and Nevada. And then we're taking the time and energy, and, and there are others doing this as well, but uh, we, we consider a strong passion in the sense of creating, as I said, a, making sure that we constantly have a reliable supply, that we're never out of stock, and that the product is the same in all three jurisdictions and obviously in, the, in any one jurisdiction. And then the other focus of attention is to, is to acknowledge that the products are different for different people, and therefore we need to supply different ratios. So our initially launched products, which are tinctures and vape pens, are going to come in three CBD to THC ratios that would allow someone to essentially uh, find the exact right combination of molecules for their for their needs. That's really awesome. Yeah, I think that we find out a lot of people need to play around with it. Even if you think you got it down pat, you still have to be very intuitive or listen to yourself and see how your body responds, different blends and strains and percentages. But you know, I have a, an associate that I work with who, back I guess in the '80s, made a good amount of money in the software boom, you know, and the tech boom, and the Silicon Valley boom. And he says he's not seen anything comparable to that until the cannabis industry has opened up. He says he sees a very similar boom. He sees a very even bigger potential, but yet he also sees a lot of these startups or early stage companies that won't be here down the road. Because just like there wasn't a software play, some got bought up, some got just lost, and some just were not set up to, to be successful. And I see that same kind of parallel, I guess, and I'm sure you probably can see some of those similar parallels within software and the tech boom and, and the cannabis move right now. Oh, absolutely. The, the parallels between my last sort of day job at Netscape and this industry, I think, are profound. The, the pace at which the industry is moving. I entered the internet industry in 94, which was sort of at the very early stages of the commercialization of the internet. Uh, there were no standards at that time in the internet. You know, there was no clear way to communicate between systems, for example, to do e-commerce. 
All those standards had to be built. This industry has that same sort of nascent feel to it. It's an unstoppable pace, and we still are very young and need to figure out our way forward in the form of, you know, more standardization, more proper and appropriate regulation. You know, we got to be better at labeling. We got to be better at dosing. We got to be better at being clear uh, across products uh, and brands so that the consumer isn't so confused by what the offerings are. I love it. You're speaking my language. That's why I'm happy to have you on today. I mean, that's exactly the same thing I share. I've been working with companies just trying to get their labels compliant, giving them understanding of what GMP means, what consistency means, and also how it, you know, what it's about with being integrity rich when it comes to dosing recommendations. You know, I, I've I, I've got some interesting low dosing and even micro dosing may provide in some cases better support than some of the larger dosing. And yet, you know, here we are in America saying that more is always better. Let's supersize it up a little bit. So we have a lot to learn and a long way to go. But as you said, this is a has tremendous potential similar to the massive software boom. I just want to date myself real quick by saying when I was first going into undergrad in 95, <laughs> my dorm at, in SUNY Albany was the first one because I was in the honors dorm to have internet provided by the school to the dorm to the room in our suite. And so look how far we've gone today in such a short amount of time where that would make a, a youthful person going to college say, like, cringe and laugh. Like, what do you mean? It was, it was attached to the wall and it was kind of dial-up speed and, and you, you know, everyone's got it on their phone. So we have a long way to go. You'll, we'll laugh back in a few years and how far cannabis has come in this exponential growth. I hope to be on that journey with you. Keep doing the good work. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for being a great guest and for all that you're doing. And I uh, look forward to having you on again down the road and seeing you and talking with you soon. It's my, pla- guys, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, please, everyone, check out the website, www.strainswithaz.com. Learn more about this company and what they're doing. And uh, stay tuned. Tell your friends about this show. There's a lot more guests, great more information coming. So stay tuned. This is Doc Rob. Thanks again for having us. Your time is valuable, and we appreciate it. This is your concierge to better living here at CanvasRadio.com and iHeartRadio, wishing you all the best in health and happiness. expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.